I definitely met FDR on my vacation. I know oh, you're yeah, also yeah. jealous. I am. And it's totally a doable thing that I did. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I mean, with the technology of necromancy, right? Like, it's legit. Yes. Yes. I, ra- I rose him from the dead. I went to a... Uh, the truth is, the truth is, I went to a wax museum in Hot Springs, Arkansas. Oh. And some of the wax statues were very very good and that's they had an mlk them? one that was god awful and i well, i don't want to throw Arkansas. shade on these folks because they did very good on almost all of their other statues but this mlk one looked like it looked nothing like mlk i yeah. was like what's going on well be real with me for a second marlo were the wax statues that they did well white people yes <laughs> well there you go i mean yes. that's a that's like the 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 more I work with artists, like if they don't draw ethnic people and then they're asked to, uh, like they they lads like what the hell is this? You just made <laughs> yeah. a white person with slightly darker skin. Yeah, what's going on here? <laughs> yeah, yeah yes. like this isn't right. Yeah, like yeah. <laughs> they did practice. do pretty well on Barack Obama though. I was oh, yeah? I was pretty impressed with that one, and that's one of the first ones that was like when you walk up that that you see. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, the the people of color were a little. To be fair, Barack Obama isn't black. He's a lizard man in a suit. Uh, Fox News. Oh talking. yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. Fox News said. Fox News. Fox News said. So Even it's true. Fox News. This is all definitely getting cut. This is not making it into what? The episode. <laughs> Why? Him and the Zuck, both lizard people. Hello friends, my name is David White, and you are listening to Tales to Inspire. Crosshairs, the Allied forces plan for an invasion of the island of Sicily. Trepidations abound as preparations are made for the amphibious assault. Spearheading the offensive will be heroes from Operation American Defense. With such mixed results from their first mission in Tunisia, will the American superheroes redeem themselves by taking the Mediterranean beach? And can they do so before Germany's army in the east can come to reforce their Italian allies? So as we open the first page of this issue of Tales to Inspire, we see a little yellow box in the corner that says June 1943, Russia. And we see a white landscape with alpine trees, flat landscape as far as the eyes can see. And we see 
a Nazi platoon working their way down this, not even a road, a rut in between the trees, weaving their way through. And as they are weaving their way through, suddenly one of the trees bursts apart. And we see this huge diesel punk mech come running through the forest with the sickle and hammer emblazoned on their chest. And we see another yellow box next to it that says um, Iron Hammer, Russian mech superhero. Uh, And the Iron Hammer runs into this line of uh, cars and tanks and soldiers and starts... He... uh, or the mech comes with a fist, punches one of the uh, cars, and sends it flying, shattering more trees. We see some of the Nazi soldiers open up fire, their bullets ricocheting off the armor. Uh, Iron Hammer turns, and as they turn, this flamethrower spouts out from their wrist, and they encompass these Nazis in flame. And we just see these panels of Iron Hammer destroying this Nazi platoon. And then we turn the page, and we see this little onomatopoeia starting little in the corner and then getting louder and bigger as it comes down. And we see a huge plume of dirt and snow fly up into the panel. And as it clears, we see this imposing figure in a black uh, uniform with knee-high boots, a uh, two-toned cape, black on the outside, red on the inside, is fastened around uh, their neck and flowing behind them. Their hair is slicked back. We see a little yellow box next to this person that says Ubermensch, Nazi supervillain. And the Iron Hammer turns and looks at Ubermensch, And with his other wrist, he brings around a machine gun and just starts unloading shots into Ubermensch's chest. And we just see Ubermensch just striding forward, these bullets bouncing off of his chest. Iron Hammer lowers that hand, brings up the other, shoots out a gout of flame that washes over Ubermensch. We can barely see the scratchy outline of him inside the flames. And then we just see a hand come out and grab the flamethrower. And we see an onomatopoeia crunch as he just crunches and destroys that flamethrower. And then we see just a splash panel from behind Iron Hammer as Ubermensch punches the Iron Hammer straight in the middle. And we see it from behind as the Iron Hammer mech suit is just obliterated. We see... Uh, valves and diesel and nuts and bolts and shreds of metal just flying and we see the pilot exposed inside just his face grimacing as he is just flying toward the the reader as Ubermensch is just in this heroic not heroic, villainous pose as his fist is raised high after he has punched Iron Hammer and then we see a panel of Ubermensch staring at Iron Hammer And then in the background, we see a figure getting closer in the trees and closer and closer. And then we see this man naked from the waist up 
wild hair flowing behind him, a scraggly beard coming down over his chest, jumps out with these two daggers raised high, and then we see another yellow box that says Koshi the Deathless, Russian folktale hero, and he comes down, strikes Ubermensch across his shoulders with these blades, and they just shatter against Ubermensch's uh, shoulders. Ubermensch turns around with a fist to backhand Koshi the Deathless. Koshi the Deathless rolls out of the way. He draws a sword, a long sword, and draws it out, holds it towards Ubermensch. My name is Koshi the Deathless. You have come into my home. Prepare to die. And then we see Ubermensch's response. You call yourself Koshi the Deathless. And we see a close-up of Ubermensch's eyes as they start to glow red. And we turn the page and we just see, like, blasting out a cone of heat vision. You see Koshi the Deathless's skeleton silhouetted by this heat blast. Very reminiscent of X-Men Days of Future Past when the Sentinels were just destroying Wolverine. We just see the silhouette of Koshi the Deathless. And then the next panel we see this blackened skeleton lying in the smoke in the, the dirt. And then the next panel goes back to Ubermensch and he says, But you die just like any other man. And Ubermensch turns and he sees a line of Russian defenses in the distance. And beyond that, we see Moscow. And Ubermensch takes a step towards Moscow. We turn the page. And the little yellow box says, July 1943, North Africa. And we see all these uh, ships are lined up at the shore. We see some planes flying overhead. Uh, and we see this uh, preparatory war council is going on with a general from the American forces, a general from the Canadian forces, and a general from the British forces all gathered underneath this tent, and uh, on the table in front of them, we see a map of the island of Sicily, and they are scooting figures around the map, planning out their war, uh, or planning out their invasion of Sicily, uh, and while they are doing this, and while all this preparation for the invasion of Sicily is going on, where do we find the four of you? I feel like Torchbearers found uh, probably some uh, small troop of soldiers who are like carrying out commands, just like kind of getting things loaded or getting things gathered into like a central area, probably to be shipped abroad. And he's just. Uh, making himself useful, kind of lifting heavy objects and uh, helping out where he, can, where he can just to feel useful. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, I think you're, like, carrying, like, a huge container of munitions, like, on one shoulder, uh, and some of the, the soldiers are just looking on in awe. Uh, and you see one of them has his chest puffed out. He says, you know, he's from Philly. Yeah, uh, where are you from? He nods. Philly. 
What part? I grew up on uh, South Broad Street. Phil, I don't know places in Philadelphia. <laughs> Uh, just look, say look, look North Philly Street. <laughs> Philly Street. One, two, three, Philly Street. This is like central part, you know, in the middle. In the, right I, in there. In the mi- yeah. I, I'm going to be real honest with you, man. I didn't grow up in Philly. <laughs> <laughs> right next to Patty's Pub. <laughs> I grew up on Ninth Street. Sounds good. Uh didn't think I would meet anybody from back home all the way out here. You 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 probably don't know this, but uh I was there uh at the Liberty Bell with you and uh Duskovitz. Yeah, you you were there? Yeah, um you know whatever he was doing was doing messing with my brain, uh, and you you stopped that. So I owe a lot to you, man. Oh, it's, it's the least I could do. I'm I'm really sorry it happened in the first place. He I'd never never seen him get up, get so out of control before. It it never should have happened in the first place. So, but I'm glad I could stop him. Hey, you were there to help. That's all that matters to me. I appreciate that. I'm just That's all I want to do. I just want to help. Well, here, let me help you. Uh, and he, he goes to, like... So you have, like, a huge container on one shoulder and, like, I don't know, a bundle of something underneath the other. And he, like, goes to grab it. Uh, do you let go? Yeah. It, like, just crashes to the ground. It is way too heavy for him to carry. Oh, sorry about that. It's it's a little heavy. Uh, but, you know what they say... Many hands make a light, uh, lighter load. I think we could get this if we work together. Just pick up one side of it. I would pick up, pick up most of it, so he can like pick it up, and it feels like you know the load is lightened. But you know, if only the boys back in Gritty could see me now, in cahoots with the torchbearer. And he follows after you. It- is there anybody um, with like a camera, like a photographer, taking photos of like any of this? You know, because you know, it's like sometimes there'd just be like a guy with oh, a yeah, camera. Like a, <laughs> yeah, like a like a wartime journalist or just somebody like I'm a soldier who has a camera. I uh, probably a wartime journalist or something. Yeah, yeah. There's definitely so yeah. So we see Torchbear and that guy like walk off, uh, and then in the next panel we see like a tripod with one of those huge blocky cameras and he's like taking pictures of everything being loaded on uh, and ev- and everything going on. Cool. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Crystal Gazer sees a camera and she walks towards <laughs> it. Because <laughs> obviously they're here to take pictures of her. Uh-huh. <laughs> so uh, she uh, walks over to the cameraman and says, uh, what kind of camera you got? Uh, he looks up startled to see a superhero speaking to him. Uh, it's a, it's a can, it's a Canon, uh, S model. I was just thinking, you know, we're about to do something real big here. And, uh, I know some of the boys are probably a little nervous, right? 
You could say that again, ma'am. What if, uh... What if we took a few pictures, you know? Uh, let me sit down and talk to some of them, shake some hands, make them feel a little better, and heck, a picture might be able to, well, maybe not send it home to their sweetheart, wouldn't want to make anyone jealous, but show it to the boys, you know? I think that'd be ace, ma'am. I think that's just a thing to get their moxie up. I like it. Well, let's well, let's go then. She uh, stands in front of the camera and then says loudly to the whole crew. So you kind of like see her with one arm on her hip and the other one up in the air kind of gesturing. Hey, y'all. Want to take a picture? <laughs> uh, all these all these boys look over and see Crystal Gazer, this beautiful woman. And they're like, uh, shucks, yeah. And they rush over. And I think the next panel is like a black and white portrait of uh, what, whatever. How, you describe it. What does this picture look like? How have you arranged these men? So, <laughs> uh, so I think the next shot um, is sort of like uh, her, like you see like a, a line of people. I mean, I wouldn't say it's like a huge line because, I mean, people are busy. They're doing things, right? Uh, but, you know, in, in any military operation, there's always the hurry up and wait. So, like, some people are waiting for this thing to happen so that thing can happen so this thing can happen. So she's got a s- small line formed. And um, I think the, like, you see, like, a, um, like the, p- the panel sort of outlined in this sort of, um, like, a, like a flash sort of like waviness around it and you see her standing there shaking hands like how you go how's it going where are you from oh yeah like talking to him and then they're like you know having like conversations and and she like she's like standing there still with her hand on her hip shaking hands and standing very Mm -hmm. hero pose very wonder woman-esque with like both hands on her hips or like shaking hands and like um i just imagine like a like a panel where you see a bunch of like photos kind of overlapping each other uh like they're you know like kind of like it's like 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 after the fact after they've been printed Uh and they're all kind uh of sitting on a table yeah i love that yeah uh that that's beautiful uh omission or sister solstice where are you at uh, omission um, is uh, just enjoying a can of beans uh, on the steps of a, a building or a tent. Just quietly enjoying himself with a book. Okay. Uh, is is omission uh, particularly focusing in on any aspect of, of what's going on right now? And he probably looks at the photo shoot shoot and is curious, but uh, it's, there's no reason for him to be a part of it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, because he he wouldn't be in the pictures long. No, everything well just fades like dust in the wind. Yeah. So he'll stay with his beans and his book. Thank you. Uh. Is it is it safe to say like one of the soldiers bumps into uh, omission? Oh yeah, yeah. He's probably they trip on him and bump into all the time, and he just sighs and picks himself up or dusts off. He's kind of used to it all. Yeah, uh, like they might they might turn around and say, "Oh, sorry, sir," uh, 
and then like they turn away and I don't know how the artist would represent it but like they turn and like it's obvious that like they immediately forgot omission was there yeah yeah uh okay and then uh sister solstice what about you um I think that she is sitting by a fire and it it may look like she's like talking to herself um but she's kind of like preparing her mind like spells and maybe looking at her spell book and just kind of like studying and trying to do what she can to prepare for this next um event definitely and um but like you're a kid in a wartime zone Mm -hmm. more specifically you're a girl in a wartime zone Mm -hmm. so are you still disguising yourself as mother midnight is the secret out that a kid is here uh because you also lost your disguise like in in the midst of the battle in tunisia um so so are you are you protecting your identity or are you just sister solstice I think at this point, um, the team knows that I'm not Mother Midnight, but um, so I don't have that disguise, but I think that maybe uh, almost like a Mulan kind of thing, like I am dressed like I look like a young boy is kind of what I'm going for maybe um, to kind of blend in. And so like people aren't really questioning it. The team knows, but like... sure. Is there any sort of magical disguise on it, or are you just like you grab some fatigues and a helmet, and like it's bulky and oversized on you? Um, I think that the magic is that while it should be bulky and oversized for me, it's not. Like it actually fits fairly well. Okay, so uh, let's say we see a panel of Sister Solstice. Like obviously, it's Doris Daniels. Uh, in like this oversized um, fatigues and helmet like I said and then in the next panel some soldiers are walking by and uh, they nod and say hey kid and we see like a boy and it he fills up the suit a little more as like your glamour is affecting them mm. uh, okay uh, so as y'all are all going about doing your, your own thing your uh, liaison Henry Richter, aka Hives, uh, comes out from underneath the tarp and shouts out into all the chaos and says, uh, "Heroes, we need you over here." Torchbearer jogs over. Yeah, mission strolls. Sister Solstice, uh, Crystal Gate. Go ahead. Sister Solstice walks over. Okay, still disguised as a boy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Crystal Gazer says, "Sorry, y'all. Duty calls," and then walks back. And yeah, hives. they. I think you you say that, and then in the next panel, we see Crystal Gazer like walking towards a panel, and we see like all these guys in the background, and like one of them's holding a pin and like has his chest bared. And it's like, oh. <laughs> and then next panel. All four of you gathered underneath this tarp, uh, and Richter speaks to you. 
All right, we only have a few hours before we invade Sicily. Uh, we, of course, need your manpower on this invasion. Uh, Dr. Fusion and Geiger Gwyn are occupied elsewhere, uh, and we need you. And uh, the general would like to discuss his plans with you. Uh, and he nods behind him, and we see this uh, older man with a very rectangular face. Uh, his mouth seems to be in just a permanent upside-down U. He has bags under his eyes, uh, but he stands straight, even as he is leaning over this uh, table. His back is straight. His arms are held out in front of him. His fingers splayed out. And we see a little yellow box that says General George S. Patton. Uh, yeah. <laughs> the man. The man. Uh, and he looks up and says, You're supposed to be Operation American Defense? Yes, sir. Yes, we are. Well, I hope you know something about breaking defenses, because we're going to need your muscle to get into the soft underbelly of Europe. All that we have is at your disposal. Well, I was just discussing with General Montgomery here our plans for invasion. The British troops are going to have an airdrop here in Lakata, and here in southern Sicily. We are going to strike here at Gila. We have some landing ships loaded with troops and tanks. We have some destroyers that will be out in the Gulf laying down some fire to soften things up for you. The good British general here is afraid of the conditions of later this morning. Seems like we have some strong winds blowing in. He believes it'll blow his paratroopers off course. But I believe striking now would actually be perfect. No one would expect us to invade during this bad weather. Still, I do expect some heavy resistance from these Axis bastards. I'm sure Rommel has left some sort of surprise for us on Sicily. I think there might not be a, a better time. Like you said, such bad weather cover, it might be the ideal time for us to strike. Uh, perhaps uh, Private Daniels could could help with the wind and make sure that those airborne troopers aren't delayed any, any longer than they need to be. That could be arranged. Uh, General Patton squints at you, Doris. Private... Daniels, was it? That's what they call me. He grumbles underneath his breath and we see like a little, a, just a little word bubble next to his mouth. Damn capes and those super identities. <laughs> and then General Montgomery speaks. I assure you, George, I do not need your assistance with this invasion. My super team and I shall be quite competent. Then I think for the first time we notice three other costumed individuals under this tarp. And I would actually like for you to uh, to tell me and uh, build these characters together. What are the three British superheroes that have joined the, uh, the allied effort here? Uh, I think one of them... Uh, is uh, I think it'd be cool to be like this uh, young woman who can control bugs. Um, 
within like a, all bugs within a mile radius. Yeah. Who doesn't like bugs? I like it. Okay. Uh, what's the name of this character? Um, bug. Lady. Yeah, bug or crawler. 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 I, I want I like it. That. I want it to be lady. Lady, lady crawler. crawler. I like it. Yeah. And it's it's like horrific the things she does. I mean, if you can imagine like hornets and stuff trying to get into your mouth. <laughs> yeah, I've yeah. seen a bug. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've seen a bug, Mitchell. I know, I know. <laughs> can you imagine? <laughs> if you can imagine a bug. <laughs> you can imagine a bug. Can you imagine? Uh, okay, so the woman superhero, she can control bugs. Lady uh, Crawler. And so we have a little bubble pop up next to her uh and it says lady crawler uh insect control uh and does she does she have any like unique aspects of her costume or anything all i hear is her name is lady crawler Uh, I I would think for maybe it's like this latex thing, uh, but there's uh, kind of like this bug uh, armor on, so she has like spiders and centipedes and stuff kind of crawling over her as kind of an armor. Ooh, so they're actively like bugs on her right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh. Gross. Okay. <laughs> Thank you, Mitchell. <laughs> You're welcome. Oh, I love it, Lady Crawler. Okay, so who are the uh, who are the other two British superheroes? Uh, I imagine this like kind of smarmy looking, almost like Cockney guy, very lanky, smarmy looking, uh, greasy hair, just kind of slouching. Doesn't look like he's kind of taking this seriously. Uh, his name is uh, Bristol Avon, and he's this uh, kind of a covert agent who can uh, control water, and like he can turn himself, like his whole body, into water, and like pass through uh, pass through areas undetected, and just meld uh, seamlessly with water, and uh, uses it to hit, to take people out. Be very stealthy. Cool. So it his. His superhero name is just Bristol Avon. That's like his full name. Pretty much. Okay. Like, I don't know if it's like necessarily his secret identity or just his real name, but. Okay. So we, we again, oh, and does this guy have any motifs or do we see like his arm is liquid or something to like show off his powers? Yeah, that's what I was thinking. It's like he always, his hair is always slicked back and mm. he always kind of seems like he's kind of has like a sheen of water on him like he's always really sweaty and damp i like it okay so the artist has drawn like little drips of water on his chin and fingers and arms he's just like maybe there's a pool where he's standing yeah he just kind of looks like he's always been spritzed he's moist he's moist, <laughs> moist. Mm, yeah. captain moist okay <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we okay so i have an I have an idea for another one. Okay. So there's three, right? Yep, there's one more. Um, so he just looks like a guy with a sword. Nailed it. Oh my but god, is the it sword, Hawkeye? No, the sword is Excalibur. 
Hell yeah. And his superhero name is Pendragon. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The Soldier in the Stone. The Soldier in the Stone. Perfect. Yes, Phil. Yes. <laughs> in the yellow box, it says Pendragon, Soldier in the Stone. <laughs> and it has a comma, Wilder of Excalibur. So if I can, when, the, when it focuses on that, you see Crystal Gazer lean over to Torchbearer and go, they literally just got a guy with a sword. Is that what <laughs> Brits think superheroes are? Yeah, I, it's like they just pulled him off the street. I don't know. Here, here's a sword. <laughs> yeah, do you think it's like a magic sword or they just had it and they just gave it to him? I don't know. Hey, is that a magic sword? <laughs> uh, Torchbearer straightens up like he wasn't talking to him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, stands suddenly at attention. Uh, Pendragon looks up and says, This sword contains the untold multitudes of stories and legacies. It is the divine right of a king. It is Excalibur, the sword of the Lady of the Lake, to be chosen and wielded by the once and future king. And then uh, next to him, Avon says, yes, it's a magic sword. I swell. Yeah. That's, that's, that's really cool. <laughs> I feel a little, I feel a little ill-equipped here without a, without a sword. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, General Montgomery keeps going. So, Patton, I shall not need your assistance with the invasion. We have it handled. You worry about your single invasion, and I shall worry about my pronged invasion. See you in Sicily, George. And Montgomery turns and walks off with the three British superheroes in tow. General Patton turns around. <sighs> That guy gets under my skin. All right, heroes. We gotta take that beach. And we gotta do it before Hitler sends his army from Moscow. Word is, Moscow's fallen. We gotta take Sicily. And we gotta move on to Italy quick before Hitler, Ubermensch, and all his panzer tanks can get to us. With most of the Nazis' army in either Eastern or Western Europe, the South is completely exposed. We gotta hit it hard, and we gotta hit it fast. Preferably, we gotta do it before those British bastards, so I can really rub it in Montgomery's face. Yes, sir. We'll do our best. Hello, friends, and welcome to the mid-roll section of episode four of season one of Tales to Inspire. I am your host, David White. Welcome to the mid-roll. I hope that you're all enjoying this episode. We have just a little bit of show stuff to get to before we get back to the episode. First off, you know I've talked a lot about our Patreon, but I haven't really told you about our Patreon. Do you know what I mean? Everybody asks... 
what is our Patreon, but no one ever asks, how is our Patreon? Think about it. But seriously, we have some really fun options over on Patreon. If you are wanting to support us, uh, here's what this money goes towards. Uh, namely, it goes towards our hosting fees, which aren't a lot, um, but it does cover that, so nothing has to come out of our pockets, our individual podcasting pockets, to pay for that. Uh, it also pays for all the cool sound effects uh, that you hear in this episode. And mainly, most importantly... What this money goes towards is paying our performers. I think it is very important, no matter how small your show is, to give back to these people that are giving time to you to make a show. So uh, I am very pleased that we are able to pay our performers here at the Misconceptions Podcast Network. And that is all thanks to our Patreon. So if you are wanting to help us out, if you're wanting to help us grow, become better, pay our performers more than they're getting paid right now, head over to our Patreon. There's a link in the description below. And let me just tell you uh, what the different uh, levels of our Patreon are. Of course, up first, you have your $1 level. It's not a lot, but it helps. If all of our listeners gave $1, we would be able to get to our next goal. So don't turn your nose up at a $1 donation a month. If that's all you can do, that's all you can do. That's great. It will help us out. Any amount would help us out. Uh, the $2 a month will get you a shout-out on the show. You know, when I am silly and mess up people's names and, you know, make a fool of myself, uh, $2 will give you the ability to make me a fool. I don't know what else to say about that. Uh, next, this is where the good stuff really happens, y'all. At $5 a month, you are going to get access to our misconceptions after hours rss feed uh, and basically what this is is this is exclusive content over here on tells to inspire uh, you will get to listen to uh, episodes before they're released to the public right now all of our five dollar patrons are able to listen to the first eight episodes and i my goal my intention is to have all of season one released to our patrons by christmas that is my goal. I hope that I can make it happen. Uh, and, you know, if you're at the $5 level, you'll be able to binge listen to Tales to Inspire as much as you want. Uh, at the $10 levels, you will be able to participate in our patron-only game night. This is where I send out a Zoom link to all of our $10 up patrons. Uh, and basically, we just come, we chill, we hang out, and we play Jackbox. Uh, that's really what we do. Um, originally, it was like we would sit around and like play a role-playing game, but that's that's stressful. Trying to do this on top of like a random TTRPG session each month with, with people, it was a little stressful. So, I, I enjoy playing Jackbox with you, getting to know all of you a little better, and uh, just, just having some fun Jackbox times. So, that's at the $10 level. At the $20 level, uh, you are going to be able to create a character that will be featured on the show. Uh, I'll send you a Google form, you fill it out, uh, and then uh, you like give me some details about, hey, this character, this is his name, or this is their name, uh, this is the powers they have, this is when in the timeline they would 
pop up. Uh, so if you would like to create a character that would show up in Tales to Inspire, either in the background or maybe the characters, uh, our main characters talk to your character, uh, or maybe they're featured in a newsreel at the beginning of the episode, who knows? Who knows where your character will pop up, but they will pop up. Uh, that's at the $20 level. At the $30 level, you get everything that I mentioned, but you also get a monthly 10% off coupon to our online merch store. Now, right now, we don't have any Tells to Inspire merch, but I am hoping to change that soon. Uh, of course, you can still go there and buy some cool Sins of the Father merch, some cool Misconceptions podcast merch. Um, there's some cute little chibi charms that I really, really love uh, of our kids from Sins of the Father and our characters from our first show, Misconceptions podcast. I love those little Misconceptions chibi charms. Uh, I have to look into uh, getting some done for Tales to Inspire, maybe, because I love them so much. Uh, but anyways, hey. That is our Patreon. It goes towards making this show better. It goes towards paying our players, uh, buying us sound effects, all this really neat stuff. If you like our show, please consider giving on our Patreon. Uh, in addition to that, if you can't support us monetarily, I understand. Times are hard. Money's tight. I understand that. But everybody can share us. You can either share us by word of mouth with your friends. You can talk about us at your local gaming store. You can uh, share us on your social media platforms, mainly Twitter and Facebook because those are the two we have. Um, but we would really appreciate it if you shared us. We're still a pretty small show, but I think what we're doing here, uh, not to toot my own horn, but I think what we're doing here is great. I really enjoy the stories that we're making. I think we're making good content but not a lot of people know about us. Please help us out. Spread us around uh, to different people in your circle or maybe outside of your circle uh, to raise awareness of what we are and who we do and... Wait, what? Anyways, we would really appreciate it if you shared us. And we are part of a podcast network. Uh, we have another show called Sins of the Father. Uh, and I haven't mentioned it here yet, so let me go ahead and tell you about Sins of the Father. Sins of the Father is a Dungeons & Dragons actual play podcast. Uh, and But it's different. Because it's not just, you know, uh, murder hobos you meet in a tavern kind of stuff. It's four kids who all have missing fathers absent fathers uh, and their search to find their fathers draws them together and draws them into this huge conspiracy of destiny and fate and heroism that they could have never imagined themselves falling into it has some wonderful role-playing um, just last night I recorded a session where I cried I've never cried while playing a TTRPG, uh, so that was fun. But Sins of Father is heartwarming. It is heartfelt. Uh, it is other heart adjective right here, but it is a great show. Uh, if you're interested at all in listening to more content from us, uh, Marlo and Occam both are on that show, uh, and they do a wonderful job with their characters along with the, the GM and the other Hass characters. But uh, Sins of the Father, it's really great. And... Actually, on our Sins of the Father feed, right today, we started releasing a whole new adventure. It's going to be running uh, simultaneously with our main Sins of the Father story, but it is a Spelljammer campaign that is dungeon-mastered by 
Occam, uh, and it's a blast. Uh, I play a character in it as well as Marlo, but it was a really fun time. Uh, and if you like Spelljammer, if you like pirates in space, if you like Treasure Planet, uh, definitely go click on the link below, go to our Sins of the Father feed, and check out that story. And you know what? Before we get back to our episode, I actually just want to give you a little preview of our Spelljammer adventure that'll be airing over on Sins of the Father, and right after that, we'll get back to the episode. Our Spelljammer drifts aimlessly through wild space. Most wouldn't dare travel through the sphere, but our crew aren't like most. I'm Marlo. My pronouns are she, her. My name's Humna, and I use any and all pronouns. Uh, hey, I'm Jackson. Typo. He, him pronouns. I'm David. He, him. I'm Evie Story, she, her. Oh, and I'm Ockham, they, them pronouns. I would feel bad about this, but you brought it on yourself. We're under attack! Yeah, it looks like you lost control of your ship there. Activating Guardian Gear! They slice open their forearm. Are you here? A shadow looms over the captain from behind. Legs of a dragon? This is the moment I've been waiting my whole life for. What are these? Cow-sized hamsters. The tail of a scorpion. Okay, I'm gonna roll the 10d10. Strap in, everyone. Things are gonna get dicey, so it's time to get spicy. And you hear a roar. Know how much you have to lick to get ooze out of your fur? So, where where do you want to be at 11.50 before midnight strikes and the invasion begins? I was imagining Torchbearer being with the soldiers in one of these, uh, the dropships, or the, like the landing ships. I'm, am I imagining it correctly? Like the long ships that have the front? Yes, absolutely. Okay, yeah. I would like to be at the front of one of those with uh, down with the soldiers. Yeah. Definitely. What about the rest of you? Yeah, uh... Omission is kind of on the edge of the boat with his legs dangling, eating a chocolate bar. And then uh, Sister Solstice and Crystal Gazer, where are you? I don't know where it makes sense for me to be. We talked about me helping with the wind. Mm-hmm. So do I need to be in the air? Can Sister Solstice fly? I mean, obviously. <laughs> obviously. I mean. I mean, uh, no, flight is not listed in your power profile. You could roll a push. I mean, it feels like I <laughs> It may not look like it to other people, but it feels like flying to me. Uh, feels like, I believe I can fly. 
1940. That song doesn't exist yet. <laughs> Crystal Gazer, what about you? Yeah, I think she is walking around and talking to people and influencing them. You know, giving them confidence. Um, talking to people, like, really just kind of investing in the soldiers and, and you know, like, having conversations and making, take, trying to take their mind off of it and, like, kind of giving them a little bit of wash of confidence mm-hmm. as a sort of, like, it's kind of, like, flowing off of her or as an aura onto people as she walks through and talks to them and stands in the crowd of them and yeah okay uh so are you are you in one of the landing ships yes okay uh are you all in the same landing ship or are you spread out on different ones Uh, i'd be with the others i don't want them to i want to keep an eye on them okay yeah, I think Crystal Crystal Gazer's probably not too far from Torchbearer just because Big Strunk. <laughs> big Strunk! Like, not Strunk. She not she no Strunk. <laughs> uh, I think there's just some quick cuts of the four of you in your different spaces. Uh, Crystal Gazer's walking back and forth. Uh talking and you know in invigorating these men on the eve of battle um <laughs> that sounded that sounded bad. I, didn't, I didn't say engorging these men i said invigorating <laughs> <laughs> captain all these men are captain all these men are moist <laughs> avon get out of here <laughs> um I mean, what what do y'all say? What what are y'all saying before y'all get to this this island? This is gonna be hectic, crazy. Just stick next to each other, stay strong, take care of each other, to keep fighting. Let's all be heroes. And I think at that moment, the landing ships come in sight of Sicily and I think we hear the first explosion coming from the shore the landing ship rocks a little bit and you hear the roar of American aircraft overhead and in the distance you can hear the uh, the German planes also coming and getting closer some of the men grip their weapons a little tighter you see a white-knuckled young man holding his rifle close to him. And then another uh, shot hits near the boat. It rocks. Some of the men start to get nervous. Whoever is shooting at this craft might hit it soon. What do the four of you do? Uh, how far are we from the shore? Um... Could I swim it? You could definitely try to swim it. Uh, but the but the sea is a little choppy uh, just because of how rough the weather is right now. It's very windy. The seas are very choppy. Uh, but you could definitely try. Uh, then, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to... Uh, I am abandoning ship. Uh, <laughs> it just <laughs> flop into the water. Yeah. You, you hear a splash uh, 
and the men all turn and look at each other like, what? What was that? Did someone? Did someone go over? Who's missing? Who's missing? No one's missing. No, it looks like everybody's here. <laughs> it's gonna be. It's gonna be fine. We're all here. Omission. Uh-huh. Why don't you go ahead and roll a take a risk to get to the shore? Excellent. I got a ten. Okay. Uh, well, perfect. You do it. We just we just see a panel of emission just <laughs> swimming through the choppy water towards the uh, the beach. Yeah, and like no shirt and suspenders, yep. crawling up on the beach and uh, starting to run behind some barricades. Perfect. Is do we see like a panel of you coming out of the water with your knife already in your teeth, just soaking wet? <laughs> it's uh, it's probably like uh, he has uh, his knife still holstered, but he does have his chocolate bar um, in his <laughs> mouth as he comes out of the water. As he like uh, takes another bite out of it, uh, he had been holding onto it just with his mouth. Perfect. Uh... What back in the the landing ship? What are the three of you doing? I'd like to try and comfort and support if I can. Okay, um, comfort and support is more for uh, other player characters. Um, okay. But do 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 do. What what are, what are you want to do? So the the powered by the apocalypse works like this. You say narratively what you're doing, uh, and then I will interpret like, okay, that sounds like you're wanting to roll a this move. Uh, so, okay. so what are you wanting to to do narratively? What I would like to do is to kind of, you know, keep talking to them just to keep everybody calm and get them get them ready for like what's happening and what they're about to have to do. And I, I would like to have uh, for Torchbearer to create like a shield in front of the the front of this drop ship just to keep uh keep any stray fire from getting to these guys i would like to help with this okay with his calming words um crystal gazer is going to go up and put her hand on torchbearer's shoulder and sort of push this energy this like positive energy. You see what I'm. You see what I'm getting at. Pos- push this positive energy he's trying to put out to these soldiers out towards them. Okay. Does so I don't, she's, I don't know she's how a she's a conduit for my calming and positivity. Yeah. To these, so it reaches more soldiers. I like it. I like it. Uh, Marlo, let's go ahead and roll a aid or interfere. So what you're gonna do is you're gonna roll. Plus your bond with Torchbearer. So what is your bond score with Torchbearer? I I got a plus one. A plus one? So, Alright. So roll 2d6 plus one. Okay. Five, three, eight, uh, nine. A nine. Okay. So you get to choose one. But there's an obstacle to overcome first. You will also expose yourself to danger, retribution, or the EIC will offer you an ugly choice. So choose one. You make an untenable position or course secure. You avoid taking harm in the doing. They take a plus one or minus two forward of your choice. Uh, so if you want to help Torchbear with his role, 
uh, I assume you would want to choose uh, giving them a plus one to their next roll. Okay. Um, but there's going to be something something rough that happens, and I'm going to think about that. While Torchbearer, uh, so you're wanting, you're, first of all, you're wanting to calm them down uh, and keep them motivated. Also, while putting up a uh, shield. Yes. Okay, let's uh, let's also roll a take a risk, and let's roll with protect. I got a nine. A nine. Okay, so you do it, but you do it imperfectly. It's the ESC with, uh, with her with her plus one, it makes it a ten. Oh, perfect! It, it was a nine go. with my plus two protect. Perfect. So you did indeed need Crystal Gazer's help to do this so you're you're narrating this oh why don't you just go ahead go ahead and narrate it you take the artist reins for this tell us how it looks he uh you see torchbearer this panel just kind of like raising his arms like he's just like addressing all these soldiers but like as he's raising his arms uh and using this calming voice this calming tone you can see the light start to emit from him and to create this barrier around the front of this uh, kind of like crescent moons around behind him Mm -hmm. to encapsulate or to shield the front of the ship Mm -hmm. and uh, this light kind of radiates towards the uh, the soldiers that is that calming presence and the calming vibes okay Uh, yes so you're narrating you're encouraging them and we just see this shield glow up in front of them and we see like some explosions bounce off of the front of the shield like little puffs of smoke off this yellow barrier um, as the landing ship presses forward cutting through the water Uh, and Crystal Gazer you have your hand on Torchbearer's shoulder you're focusing on amplifying his positivity and his powers and taking away this this angst he has on the eve of battle Uh, but as you are focusing one of the uh, Luftwaffe, one of the German uh, planes, streaks overhead. We see little uh, columns of water coming up out of the water as bullets are running into the water, and some of them hit the landing ship. Uh, it hits. No one is damaged, but it rocks. And Crystal Gazer, you were so focused on amplifying Torchbearer's powers that you didn't see this coming. So as the boat rocks, you are taken suddenly by the force of it rocking. You hit the side, and you tumble over into the water um, as the landing ship pushes forward. Uh, Sister Solstice, you see Crystal Gazer fall into the water, uh, and you see very quickly she is getting left behind. What do you do? I'm trying to... Because I need... I don't know if I need to... Because my shunt slows things down. Mm-hmm. I don't want to slow her down. I want to slow us down. Somehow getting us closer. Okay. Um, or if there's a way to like put her in an orb and then like bring that orb to us. But I'm not sure that I can do that. You, uh, I don't think it would be too much of a stretch for you to, like, put an orb around her to, like, block out the water. Uh-huh. And then, like, I mean, a little comical, but then she could, like, hamster ball the orb to the shore. 
Maybe. Maybe. We can try. Oh, it's worth a shot. Let's roll an aid or interfere. Okay. Uh, and I think the way you described it, I think you'd be rolling with a protect. So roll 2d6 plus your protect stat. And 12. A 12. A very good roll. So uh, describe for us, how's this look? Um, so <clears throat> as Crystal Gazer is falling over the side, um, you see Sergeant Daniels, like, put out his arm. And you see a um, glowing blue, like, kind of shoot from his fingers. Um, and it just goes into this orb that encapsulates Crystal Gazer. Um, and then you see Crystal Gazer um, stand upright um, and kind of like get her bearings, and then she's gonna like hamster wheel it to the. Well, that's up to the Crystal well, Gazer yeah, she, to do. And she's now in the orb, and she's <laughs> yeah. standing upright. Yeah. Uh, I have the ability to do self-propelled flight, but it is a difficult role. Now, given that I'm now stabilized and in a hamster ball, <laughs> can I try that to get myself out? Because I think in the middle of falling and being so surprised, she would not be able to do that. I mean, it would be like... Yeah, yeah. Something that's difficult on top of the fact that she's surprised and falling. Yeah. But now that she's in a hamster ball... Can I be a flying hamster ball? <laughs> flying hamster ball. Uh, yeah, I definitely think, like, I don't know. There, there's something about, like, using telekinesis to move your body that is more difficult than using telekinesis to move something else. Right. Um, and so I think definitely a combination of you, like, using your telekinesis and focusing on this orb that you're now in, you start to push your way across the water like skidding across the water behind the landing zone uh mm. and like in some cool heroic pose uh yeah d describe for us how does it look so when this orb first appears she falls right on her butt okay <laughs> And then when she writes herself and stands up and she's like kind of like trying to, you know, like stand up or grab a grip, but there's no nothing to grip because it's just like a, it's like a plastic ball. Yes, exactly like that. <laughs> and so she finally writes herself, stands up and then uh, like looks around like, did anybody see that? <laughs> sees, sees Sergeant Daniels and gives a nod and then like puts her both of her hands on her hips and puts does like a like a Captain Morgan pose um, <laughs> to try to like uh, but with both hands on her hips and one foot on the like like the angle of the ball um, and then like just like propel <laughs> uh, you say Captain Morgan but in my mind it's definitely a Captain Sparrow moment as like you're full of this bravado as your ship is sinking you're full of bravado <laughs> as you're trapped in a hamster ball moving across the water. Yeah. I was just thinking of Washington crossing the Delaware. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Definitely. Um, and then we turn the page and we see the landing ship skidding up onto the beach, cutting its way through the sand. 
that front flap lowers down, hits the sand, and soldiers and torchbearer and Sergeant Daniels rush out, and we see like this huge panel of all these soldiers with torchbearer in the front and Doris Daniels along with them charging onto the beach. Uh, and then I think the next panel is omission. Uh, omission, you said you were trying to get behind enemy lines. So uh, there is, uh, of course, the, the flat, barren beach. And then there are like some dunes. And behind the dunes are um, kind of these rocky formations. But in the rocky formations are these pillboxes. And what pillboxes are is, is they are bunkers that have basically been erected with uh, stone and brick and the earth up over it with like little slits so the guns can shoot through these slits. Uh, and in the darkness of the midnight sky, you see just like, you can see the pillboxes only illuminated every time they are shooting. And you see these bullets raining down on the advancing soldiers on the beach. Uh, what do you do? it's time to go in start uh taking apart these things all right uh i think if you are wanting to seize control of this area i think you need to roll a seize control uh so let's roll 2d6 and um how are you doing this are you are you trying to sneak your way into it yeah. Okay, definitely. Uh, so roll with maneuver. I so thought you were going to say minutia. Roll with minutia, please. <laughs> Ooh, nice. Uh, I got a 12. Wow. Okay. So uh, you you come up on this pillbox. How do you take it out? How do you get, uh, how do you seize control of this this armament? Yeah, just coming up behind them. Um, he'll uh, uh, do his usual whistle. Someone comes over to check it out. Um, and then he'll just come behind them and slam his knife uh, into the back of their skull. Uh, twist. Uh, and then pull it out and wait till another person comes. Just staying out of their view so that they don't realize that he exists. Yeah. And then maybe we see omission go through the dark doorway into the bunker and we just see like little red on him up here is slice and then we see oh, yeah and then we see omission walk out with like some blood on his hands and knife mm-hmm. nice uh taking out a chocolate bar and eating it <laughs> i love it and it's like the it's the military ration chocolate bar so there's no sugar yeah, yeah. so it's, just, yeah, it's, it's very just bitter yeah uh i love it okay so back on the beach the bullets have ceased raining on you uh however there is lutwaf uh streaking through the air uh shooting bullets again the little columns of sand shooting up into the air to mark where the bullets are hitting uh the soldiers are rushing for the beach yelling shooting their their rifles into the air and into the darkness around them uh what are the two of you on the beach doing crystal gazer will be at the beach in a moment 
imagine Torchbearer's, uh, like, trying to maintain this shield as he runs alongside the soldiers. Just to keep them as protected as possible when they, as they make it to the, uh, the enemy line. Yeah, definitely. Um, to provide them any cover they might need. Uh, and I think, uh... So you you rush, you lead them past that pillbox. That first obstacle has been taken out. And then I think further in, we see, um, I forget what they're called, but there is this uh, technique or strategy to take old tanks, bury them in the ground, and then like encase them in cement so that only the turret and cannon were exposed um, (laughs) to make it a, a stationary tank that also had less room to hit and damage Uh, and i think there's one of those that's taking shots at the soldiers that are advancing yeah i think torchbearer would definitely like to use that shield to kind of make a rush for it like Mm -hmm. deflect the the turrets fire Mm -hmm. as best he can as he gets close and then try to kind of uh leverage this turret up out of the ground just like ripping the top of this tank off okay um let's do a seize control okay Uh, i was trying to decide if this would be a seize control or take a risk it's up to you let's do take a risk okay uh so roll uh since you're trying to tear this out of the ground roll with smash that's a nine five and a four a nine. All right. So you do it imperfectly. The EIC tells you how your approach might lead to unexpected consequences. Accept those consequences or mark one stress. So I think you are you are grappling with this, twisting it up, um, trying to tear it out of the ground. But as you're twisting and pulling, it's about to come and you're about to destroy this thing. But the cannon fires straight towards the soldiers. Uh, I knew you were going to do that to me. (laughs) I got him, man. I'm I'm taking the stress. (laughs) He's taking the stress. He doesn't even want me to finish it. Uh, Okay. And (laughs) mark an extra stress uh, as you see that about to happen. And you just wrench that cannon using that stress. And you just tear it off. And I think you tear it off. And like we can see the cannon operator just sitting there with his eyes wide uh, in, the, uh, in the seat as he's just now exposed and that top of the tank has been torn off. Just drop the pieces of the turret and kind of give him a... Like, <laughs> pop my knuckles. Crack your knuckles, yeah. And we, we see a panel of him and he's just looking up at you. And then in the next panel, his hands are just up in surrender. <laughs> uh, on the beach, Crystal Gazer, you... Uh, in your Captain Morgan hamster ball, wash up on shore. Uh, and I, I would assume Sister Solstice dispels the orb once Crystal Gazer gets there. Yeah. Okay. I don't know how that part <coughs> works. I don't know if it's just like a bubble that you pop or something. But uh, it's your I, spell. How do you do it? <clears throat> I think I... Uh, I guess it's kind of similar in like she or he, Sergeant Daniels, um, like puts his arm out and like you see the blue like coming back to his like okay. back into his you call regions. it back to you yeah uh um yeah <laughs> so as this this orb gets called back she's got this forward momentum so she stumbles a bit <laughs> uh 
as she kind of lands, and then she, like, looks up. Thanks there, kiddo. Uh, I owe you one. Uh, I would say a beer, but, uh, a juice box. <laughs> Maybe. I like Shirley Temple. <laughs> Shirley Temple it is. Hey, she's a real sweet kid, too. Just like you. And, uh, <laughs> then she, uh, heads, like, she starts running towards the fight. Yeah. Uh, and as you're running towards the fight, once again, that Lutwaff is streaking down the bullets, <laughs> strafing the the beach and I think because it hasn't been dealt with yet and I have a I've warned y'all a couple of times uh, about this I think you need for this let's just say uh, roll plus protect I got a 9 a 9 I got a 12 a 12 alright so crystal gazer you completely uh, will get out of the way. You will avoid harm. Uh, however, uh, Sister Solstice, um, I'm going to say you, you're you going to get hit and you're going to... I'll, I'll offer you a choice. You can either accept this or take one stress. You can either uh, mark a condition from this or take one stress. I guess I'm going to mark a condition. Okay. Uh, which condition are you going to mark? I'm going to go with insecure because she, I mean, like, Crystal Gazer just, like, made a point of calling her a kid, which mm-hmm. is fair, but, like, she's just, and then, like, now there's all this, like, firing at her and everything, and she's like, what am I doing? Like, I am just a kid, and so I think she's just, like, mm-hmm. that's something that she's constantly, like, it's playing with her head. Yeah. So. Okay. So go ahead and mark insecure. Uh, and then further inland, the soldiers are pushing forward. Uh, pillboxes are being taken out. Those embedded tanks are being destroyed. Uh, and before long, you have taken control of the beach. Just a less than an hour. And I think you are all sitting there where you are in this fight, uh, in this siege. And you think General Patton assumed this was going to be a much more difficult fight. Uh, However, maybe the Sicilian forces were really thrown off by the weather and didn't think anyone would invade. But even still, there's not much resistance. And I think as the men are standing around cheering and pumping their chests uh, at, at seizing this beach, I think the four of you have a sense of unease. Didn't that seem a little too easy? Yeah, a little too easy. End of episode. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Tales to Inspire. Our next episode will be released on August 1st. If you have social media, you can find us on Facebook and Twitter. Like and follow us at Misconceptions Pod for up-to-date information about the show, behind-the-scenes pictures, and just to show us your general positive feelings about the show. 
We also have a Discord. You can click the link below to join our Discord so that you can chat with other friends of the show and chat with other cast members directly. We also have an email. If you'd like to contact us that way, you can email us at misconceptionspod at gmail.com. This show is fully supported by the generous monthly donations of our patrons on Patreon. If you'd like to join that elite group of supporters and gain access to exclusive content, please consider joining our Patreon. The Tells to Inspire theme song was composed by Esteban Del Pino. You can find out more about his music on fiverr.com slash iam underscore w-a-k-e. Omission was played by Mitchell Wallace, who can be found at Mitch Bustillos on Twitter. Crystal Gazer was played by Marlo Bogus, who can be found at Marlo Bogwich on Twitter. Torchbearer was played by Phil Montgomery, who can be found at BMC Philanthropy on Twitter. Sister Solstice was played by Carrie White, who hates Twitter and refuses to get one. And I'm David White your editor-in-chief. You can find me at Mr. Socks on Twitter. The role-playing game system used in this production was a modified version of the Worlds in Peril role-playing game by Sam Joko Publishing, featuring elements from the Avatar Legends role-playing game and Masks a New Generation role-playing game, both by Magpie Games. Tales to Inspire is a product of the Misconceptions Podcast Network, Find out more about our other shows and buy cool merch at misconceptionspod.com. And that's it for this week's episode of Tales to Inspire. Thank you so much for listening, and keep it nerdy, y'all. Misconceptions.